What's up, Silver family? Welcome to I Kiss Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. You need that goal to continuously say, I don't want to just be average because anyone can be average. I want to be amazing. And that is where the success seeking will keep you from ever relapsing because you have this goal and this vision of who you want to become that your pre-alcohol conscious self no way could aspire you to do it. Today, my guest is Ken Middleton, an alcohol conscious writer who's committed to helping people realize their true full potential. He started the Alcohol Is Not Your Friend movement to end drinking stagnation, and his first book, Bamboozled, is coming in 2023. His belief is that everyone can be amazing if they, one, believe it, and two, put in the work. And I'm super excited to talk to him here in just a minute. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone, so let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Hallfree, my spirit animal for sobriety, and Spruce, my PTSD service dog. And for you, those of you watching on YouTube, I need to actually like show Spruce to you in case you have thought that maybe he's just napping. There he is. All right. So anyway, all right. <laughs> all right. Before we get rolling, I just want to quickly say that if you're new to sobriety and looking for a group of people to be your sober community, please come and join the I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Sober Family Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, or you can search Facebook groups for I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And with all of that said, hey, Ken, thanks for joining all three of us over here. I'm excited for you to tell us your sober story and yeah. then you know all the about some of the, the projects that you've got going on. And uh, it's going to be inspiring, I know. And uh, so take it away. Tell us tell yeah. us where you're from and, and how you started drinking and how you stopped and all that good stuff. Yeah, man. So um, hell originally from a little small town called Clinton, North Carolina. Most people don't know about it. When I tell people, they're like, huh? And I'd say Raleigh. And like, oh, I've heard of Raleigh. So I usually just okay. say Raleigh. Yeah. Most people know about that. Um, if you want to think about my alcohol career, if you will, as some people say, it will start in sales. So I started with the company, a sales staffing company to help people get jobs. And if anyone that's been in sales, you know, part of your job is to booze and schmooze your clients. So and sales is one of those careers that's very much work hard, play hard. Like I was working 60 hours a week. But at the same time, we will get off work and go to the bar every night because that was what you did. You sold, you hopefully made a lot of money, and then you went out and you celebrated with your friends to spend some of that money. Mm -hmm. And it is one of those careers that for people who are highly driven, um, and it's interesting, Dana, because as we talk more about this in the future, the personalities of individuals who are successful in, sa in sales are also to the type of personalities who are prone to be more alcohol uh, inclined. Yeah. It's the same type of, hey, I love to make a lot of money. I'm highly driven. Also makes you susceptible to what alcohol does physiologically to our body. So yeah. you'll see a lot of salespeople who will eventually have drinking problems because the industry wants you to drink because you need it for your clients, but also their personality has been inclined to do that. So for me, I just fell into that cycle. So it was all about, you know, you want to make sure your clients are happy. So your job was to drink. And I did that from 2006 to 2018, right? So you got 12 years and, you know, prior, I just had to regular college life and drinking what most people do but once i got in sales that's when it really yeah. sped up if you will so i had 12 years of hardcore drinking 
And and where it came to a head was in 2018, 2017, actually, I left my company because I wanted to start my own company. I was the person that I'd done it for so long. I was an individual contributor. Now I wanted to be a boss. And I was like, I want to do this. So I went on my own and started doing it, was running, 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 was working 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. And honestly, I wasn't being as successful as I wanted to. And I said, I, 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 I don't want to go back to corporate America America before I've decided that I've given everything to be successful. And I was one of those people that just in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I drink a lot. I drink a lot. It was one of those situations, especially at that time when I'm 36, 37, where alcohol, you know, it was becoming more of a challenge for me to recover. Right. I, before, when I was younger, I could drink in all night and wake up the next day and, and be as as sharp as I thought I could and no issues. As I aged, it became more challenging. And I my brain fog and I recognized that I wasn't able to really put in the 12 hours of consistent work. So I said, what if I gave up alcohol to see how it would allow me to be successful mm. in, in my own business? And that was the impetus, honestly, Dana, for me to say, I'm not going to drink. I really said and I told my then girlfriend, now wife, I think I'm going to give up alcohol because I don't want to go back to corporate America before and having failed at being an entrepreneur before I can say I, I gave it a thousand percent. And that was the one thing that I knew if I didn't do it, I would always regret. Mm. So, so I stopped drinking. And I will tell you this. I had been in business at the time for 18 months and had did not great, but not terrible, just mediocre. Dana, I made more money in those three months of giving up alcohol than I had made in the previous 18 months. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Like, can, can, is cursing okay? I don't, I don't know yeah, if it please, is. Okay. It's actually it's encouraged on this show. Yeah, please. Yeah, do. I was like, there's there's something there, right? Like, I made more money in three months than I made in previous 18 months. And you talk about all the all the things that people talk about. Brain clarity. Sleep was better. Exercising better. It was the virtuous cycle was being created. That I was like, man, this is, I had, when I made the decision, it was something I said I was going to try. But as I got into it and saw the results, I was like, this is probably something that sh I should think about long term. Three months turned into six months, six months turned into nine months. And once I, once we got to that six to seven month period, my because my wife did it with me, we pretty much knew that we weren't going to turn back. And then yeah. that led into Alcohol is Not Your Friend, which is my medium publication that is really to help people say, scientifically, this is what alcohol does to you that most people don't recognize. You're currently here, like you're, you know, you're achieving well, but if you want to get to here in your life, there's another level you can achieve if you're willing to do it, which, you know, I've been doing that for the last three years which eventually led to the book Bamboozled, which we're releasing in January that we're super excited about. Dude, that's awesome. And yeah, tell us more about Alcohol Is Not Your Friend because I'm, yeah. I'm so curious to hear about that movement that you started. Yeah, so that one, so it goes back to the concept of it is not for people who are addicted. Now, we do have writers who talk about hardcore addiction. They talk about AA and we're not anti-A by any capacity because whatever helps you succeed, succeed. Yeah. But for of it's around scientifically telling people what alcohol does to you to help them understand it. Because for me, it was an education thing. In school and in college, we learned that if you, as long as you're not an alcoholic, if you will, as long as you're not on the street, as long as you you're not giving up everything in your life, then you're probably okay, right? You're like, alcohol isn't ruining your life. And what I say is people don't understand, alcohol doesn't have to quote unquote ruin your life 
to have a tremendous negative effect yeah, on your life. Yeah. Tremendous negative flip. And most people don't recognize that. They think as long as they have a job, as long as they're you know, they have money in the bank, as long as people from the outside would deem them successful, quote unquote successful, then it doesn't matter how much they drink. They're fine because it hasn't taken over their life. But what they don't recognize is all the little things that alcohol does in regards to not allowing you to sleep better, which in and of itself is terrible, not allowing you to emotionally mature to handle things. That's the big thing that people don't understand. Alcohol becomes a crutch that doesn't allow you to maturely handle difficult situations. Instead of really leaning into issues and problems and addressing the root cause of the problem, you then just drink to, to, uh, to use as a band-aid over that problem, which doesn't let people mature and grow. Um, and then the other aspect is that you you there's a mental cognition um, ability that you're never really reaching when you allow yourself to consistently drink and the negative effects of how alcohol holds your mental capacity from growing in some respects. Um, so when I talk about ANA, the purpose of it is to educate people on those things. And I coined this term alcohol conscious. And what I mean by that is for you to be alcohol conscious doesn't mean you don't drink. What that means is that you are 100% completely aware of the trade-offs that you're making when you decide to drink. So many people don't understand what the trade-offs are. Anif's focus is to educate individuals on those trade-offs, and then you make the decision if you're going to stop drinking or keep drinking. We just want to make sure you understand what you're giving up every time you make that decision. Yeah, right on. And yeah, tell me more about that. That's such a great term, alcohol conscious, because I mean, yeah. there's alcohol free and you feel like, yeah, I've got to give it, you know, it ends up being this like black or white thing where like I, yep. I'm drinking or I don't. Um, so, yeah. you know, tell, tell me more about that, where that came from and, and the philosophy behind it. Exactly. That, but that's, you hit the nail on the head, Dana. It's not binary. It's not one or the other, right? Yeah. It's not zero sum. It is if you want to drink, it's okay, but it's no difference. And I, I use conscious to say it's no different than the concept of health conscious. Yeah. Someone that's health conscious doesn't mean they had a problem with eating Twinkies. Doesn't mean they were they they were an addict on sugar. It just means that they understand that they shouldn't do it for their life. Like because you, I I you, I don't like the term sober because when people say you're sober, they automatically they uh, they automatically um compare it or relate it to the other side of it, which is being an addict. So yeah. when someone's, when you're saying I'm sober, well, people are like, first thing you say is like, man, I didn't know you had a problem. Yeah. How bad did it get? What was rock bottom? Like they, they automatically assume that you had this hardcore problem. But if someone's like, I don't eat fried chicken, no one's like, oh man, I didn't realize that fried chicken was was going to have you lose your family. Like no one's thinking that. So alcohol conscious is the concept of, I didn't have a problem with drinking. I just recognized that drinking isn't serving my life. I'm conscious of the negative effects that drinking's given me. So I'm deciding not to do it. Um, there are people who can drink one or two drinks and be okay. For those people and that they can do that and they have no internal desire for it to get worse. That's fine if that's what you can do. You can still be alcohol conscious. I think for a lot of people, it's hard to do one or two drinks, but there are some. Um, but it's really around just being aware of what you, the reason that you're not drinking and more people considering it without having a absolute, like you don't need to have a problem. You just need to understand that you're not going to be able to get to where you could go by having this in your life. Yeah. 
it's a great way to look at it. And before we started recording, we were also talking just about the manly side of it and how, oh, man. you know, like how us, us dudes can really struggle to, to admit some of these things, but, you know, it requires you being more in touch with, you know, different sides of yourself than maybe a lot of guys are used to or are comfortable with. Would you talk to me more about that? So the listeners can hear that. I'm with you, Dana. Like it's something the more and more I think about it, the more there needs to be more, the more I feel like there needs to be focused on it because it is a thing because if you look at your audience, and I know my audience too, if I look at Anif and I look it up subscribers, um, 80% of them are women. Mm -hmm. I guarantee 80%, maybe, yeah, 75, I'll say 75 or 80%. And, it, yeah. and you can't tell me that women are the only ones with the problem. Like it's only been in the last, I mean, because this was a movement that happened with the alcohol industry from 2010 to present. It's only been in the last 10 to 12 years where women have started to drink at the same clip as men. Mm. Prior to that, it was all mostly men consuming the majority of this alcohol. So I know there's a lot of men that have a, have an issue. Um, and it's something we need to talk more about because the thing that alcohol does <clears throat> that causes the imagine the, it's what I referred to earlier. It allows you to mask a lot of issues it allows you to act like you have everything together when you really don't it allows you to not really solve a problem but to just make yourself feel better about it and no sex is better at in my opinion at making everything seem like it's okay when then when it's not than men right like yeah. we we want to <laughs> you know we we hit our knee and we want to grit our teeth and act like nothing's wrong right that's just how we are so we have an issue and a hard day at work, and instead of being able to come home and talk about it, we're come home and we want to slam a, a six pack a six pack of beers, right? To yeah. to just not think about it, and and that is what I'm seeing in regards to men not being open to to consider if they have a problem and lean into this conversation, um, and it's why I mean if you look at the the percentages of people that are considered alcoholics. 80, 70 to 80 percent of them are probably men that are in that category because they don't recognize it before it becomes too late. And that's something we need to address. Yeah, it certainly is. And I, I assume you run into that some with your I was telling you, you know, I used to be an army chaplain in infantry and ranger units and how it was hard to get guys to open up and just admit it, but you know, you're a pretty physically fit guy and, and that's a part of your, uh, part of your passion too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tell me about that and then how, you know, you think that might intersect with, with some of the manly stuff that we're talking about. Well, I think it comes from just the outside exterior feeling like you're okay. So to your point, the personality going back to the sales personality that makes you good at sales also is it has a tendency to make you physically want to work out because there's these there's the connection of the exterior um perspective that you give the world which is how you're looking that put you put value into that so a lot of men if they drive a nice car they're physically in shape um their bank account has a certain amount of money they feel like things are good, like they're 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 doing all the things that externally says they're successful, and no one has no one's thinking about the fact that they come home and they're drinking a a, a, a whole bunch of bourbon or every weekend they're getting slammed with their friends. Um, yeah. No one's considering that, and so it's around, I guess, decoupling the the external views of success with 
the internal long-term views of what where this is leading you. So that kind of comes back to like my whole thing of gray area drinking and what you mentioned earlier about, you know, when as you're a chaplain, it wasn't like you were like, oh man, I'm getting ready to give up my family because I'm not, I'm drinking too much. It was like you recognize that this was could become a problem. And a lot of guys aren't catching that it could become a problem because of everything externally is saying everything is fine. Right. So when it becomes too too late, it's a situation where it, it's hard to get out of it. So it's just really, I think when with my teaching, with Bamboozle, with Anav and everything, I just really want people to stop and think, men or women, stop and think and say, could I not be a little, a lot better than I am right now? And then just making that decision to try something different. Yeah. Thank you for all of this. And I'm asking you this earlier than I normally ask it. You know, as I described at the beginning, this is the show for newly sober people who are learning to love ourselves instead of booze. So I'm curious to hear what does self-love look like for you throughout the last few years? Like, how has that been a part of your um, progress because, um, you know, as someone who has been in sales and has had a lot of, you know, a lot of seeking, a lot of external validation that, that you have to, to be successful, right. Yeah. You know, then how, how has the internal work been for you? Um, tell me about that first six, seven months, you know, not only that first six, seven months when you and your wife were, um, giving it up and what that was like, but, you know, internally, but also, uh, now, like, what are some things that you do to show love to yourself now? Well, I think initially when we were going through the process, um, so I, I created a, uh, a kind of methodology, if you will, to quit, like in the way I think it's important for you to process everything in general. And the it's called the meds, M-E-D-S. And the first step of the meds is M for mental reengineering. And what I mean by mental reengineering is around kind of what we talked about before. And I tell people, you need to take this step even when you're drinking. You don't need to stop drinking when you take the first step of the meds. You need to take this step because it's about completely changing the way you think about alcohol and the way you understand it. And for me, the meds in that first step, mental reengineering, is around leaning into learning everything I can around what drinking is and how it affects us. When my wife and I, when November 10th, 2018 was the date that we decided to stop drinking. We, um, I think 12 days later, took a trip to Dublin and I, we had a seven and a half hour flight. And on that seven and a half hour flight, I read Annie Grace's uh, This Naked Mind. Mm -hmm. and, and while reading that book, and understanding how dopamine affects you, the way dynorphins and endorphins are related to how our body um, processes alcohol and the things it's doing to us, and then physiologically understanding long-term how that affects us over time and what that would lead to, that was part of my self-love. Because the self-love was around giving myself the education to understand what I was doing to myself and where this was could potentially lead me if I didn't get off the trajectory that I was first currently on. Um, so it was around really arming myself with the knowledge of understanding exactly what alcohol is, what it does and what it can be in regards to the effect that it can have. And then just, it, it almost seems, Dana, honestly, that 
I consider myself more like I, I don't I don't consider myself an alcohol coach. I'm not. I just or an, an addiction coach. I consider myself a wellness coach, if you will, if, if I if I can use the word coach, because that was the beginning of me then taking alcohol as being the crux of let me stop drinking because I know it's not a, it's not helping me. But then what are all the other things that I need to be considering in my life that I'm not that aren't serving me as well uh, as well. So alcohol, I have this thing called the inverted triangle, which is really just an upside down triangle, right? You got mm-hmm. the base at the top and it's actually in the book Bamboozle. So the inverted triangle then is around the concept of you got to find out what is the thing that's at the base of the tr- your triangle that's holding you back from being successful. What for everybody is a little different, right? For everyone, for me, it was alcohol. That was my addiction. For other people, it could be marijuana. For some people, it could be gambling. For some people, it could be porn addiction. It could be food. It could be a bunch of things. But we all know what is that thing that if we can get this under control, it like I said, it becomes a virtuous cycle because once we can control this, then we can build other things on top of it. And for me, once I got alcohol under control, and really lean, lean into understanding how that wasn't serving me, then I was able to look at other aspects. I looked at my health, my food. So the other, now let's continue to talk about the meds versus mental reengineering and, and getting a, a good grip on alcohol and how it affects you. Then it goes to at step two, which is E, which is exercise commitment. And for me, exercise commitment, the reason I like that as being part two, because there's a natural connection between physical fitness and being able to abstain from cravings like it is proven that if you exercise and you physically work out it helps you prevent or fight cravings versus someone who doesn't because the endorphins and dopamine that you get from drinking you got to have something to replace it because your body's so used to it by exercising it won't give you that same level of endorphin spike but it does give you enough that helps you, your body say, okay, we're still getting something positive. So we're not craving that thing that we used to have as bad because we got something to offset it a little bit. And then the other aspect of it is if you are internally saying, I'm not going to drink anymore, I'm going to change this part of my life. If you exercise, especially if you're somebody that want to lose weight, you want to look good by exercising and losing weight and maybe just being in better shape. Physically being able to see the change that also is in uh, relating to the internal change that you're help, having is a, it's a little bit of like a, um, a, a sense of motivation. Once you see it, it makes you feel like, OK, this is really making a difference because like, internally you can feel better. But when you see it and especially other people are like, oh, man, Dana, you look good, dude. Like, man, you look as bad as fresh as I've ever seen you. It's just that little extra sense of motivation that gets you going. So exercise commitments, number two, next is diet improvement for diet improvement is around, dude, you know, we all know you can work out all the time, but if you're eating shit, you ain't going (laughs) to lose no weight, my man. You're just going to, you're going to be it. So you got to eat better as well. So you got at the base of the inverted triangle, you got alcohol. So we, we conquered that next we're exercising better. We're running, we're running, we're running, we're working out, we're hitting the gym, blah, blah, blah. Now we improved our diet. So we're building on that triangle and we're building things on top of it. Now we're improving our diet. We're eating better, um, less sugar, less fatty foods, blah, blah, blah. 
Now we're sleeping better. Like, cause that's another aspect. So I looked at, well, I think about self-love is around just, I started with drinking. Then I looked at all the other things that I wasn't doing well. And I just started compounding them on themselves. The last um, aspect of the meds is success seeking. And I think this is important because for success seeking, and the reason I think you you got to have this one is because the thing I talked about earlier about mental cognition and things that you're missing out on when you drink that you will never achieve because alcohol just keeps you at a certain, it suppresses your ability to grow and mature. When you add that last part of the mess, success seeking, you got it means you got to have a goal that you would never have with your drinking self. Like it needs to be something that's so mentally challenging mm. that if your brain was repressed in the way that alcohol does it by r- reducing your the, the brain fog and slowing of the synapses, that you'll never be able to do it. So for me, it was around learning Korean because my wife is Korean. There's no way that I would even in any capacity have the ability to learn Korean when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how hard I try, because when you wake up every morning with that brain fog, your your mind isn't going to do it. So you got to have some high level mental goal that you know your pre-alcohol self couldn't achieve because that's the impetus to keep you going. Because what happens is just reality, you're going you're going to be on this rocket ship and shit's going to seem amazing. It's almost yeah. going to feel like I always say um, Bradley Cooper in Limitless. So like that movie Limitless, you remember when he was like, he's like, man, I can do anything. Like your brain is going to be so clear and so amazing and everything's going to feel so new and great. But unfortunately, and this is just how our body works, your body gets this like this great, amazing feeling. But the, the way it works is that homeostasis, eventually that feeling of rising just becomes the everyday. And once you have that everyday feeling, it's like, well, this isn't anything special. Like, yeah, I'm sober, but it's not really an amazing life. And I feel OK and blah, blah, blah. And then I maybe can have one drink because I'm good now. Like I'm 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 stay I can I can control it. And that's where people make the mistake to go back to start drinking because they're like, I can control it. But what they don't where I have success seeking helps is that by then thinking I need to have this lofty goal, you know, I can't go back to drinking because I could go back to drinking and be like, okay, but I couldn't go back to drinking and be amazing. And that's where I think if you you need that goal to continuously say, I don't want to just be average because anyone can be average. I want to be amazing. And that is where the success seeking will keep you from ever relapsing because you have this goal and this vision of who you want to become that your pre-alcohol conscious self, no way could aspire you to do it. And that's where you're able to keep on the trajectory. And for me, from a self-love perspective, it was the alcoholist first, exercise, diet, Success seeking was next. And then all the other things, like I'm constantly, Dana, looking at everything I'm doing and I'm like, I need to sleep better. I need to need to drink more apple cider. Like I'm almost always looking at everything that I can do to up level myself and consistently try to be a better version of myself in the future. Man, I guess my last question to you would be what, um, what would you say, you know, you're a few years into this thing. You're in your fifth year of sobriety. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what uh, would you say to, I just hit 10 months uh, a couple yeah. of days ago. And so what would you say to somebody who's in there still in their first year? What what would be the, the number one thing that you um, kind of wish you knew that, you know, now that you wish you knew, 
you know, a few years ago when you first started, uh, for, first started stopping, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, it only gets better. It, in, in, in the sense that here's, here's, here's what I'll tell you. It compounds. So initially, it's going to seem like it, it's rocket ship. Boom, 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 you're, you're killing it. And yeah. 20% better, 30% better, 40%. It's going to be, it's going to be very easy to decipher growth in your, your, from where you were to where you get. You're going to stable and level off though at some point. And when you level off, it's going to feel like nothing's really happening, yeah. but it is happening. And it's incrementally, it's slow. The, the increase slows down, but it continues to happen. And if I look at where I was two years ago, let's see, I'll use a great example, man. Here's a perfect example. One of the things that alcohol does that a lot of people don't know from a physiological standpoint, a scientific standpoint, is that it, it not only makes anxiety worse, but it actually creates anxiety. Yeah. A lot of people think that they alcohol helps them because they're in situations where they're meeting people new people and they're they're nervous and they feel weird so they get a drink and then they're using they're like okay i'm good now i don't i'm not as anxious i can talk and i can do whatever right but then they don't realize when without that alcohol as a crutch then when they're in those situations they're not able to cope with that anxiety they're like like without alcohol it's terrible so for me like anybody when i first stopped drinking i would be in situations and I'm like, fuck, I'm anxious as shit. Like, I'm still like, I'm like, you know, like, it's like, dude, I don't know. I don't and I don't have alcohol to lean on anymore. Yeah. So I'm, I am have to, you know, I figured out certain things I can do. Like you have a drink in your hand and that in some way is almost like the um, Pavlovian's dog in the yeah. sense that as long as you have a drink in your hand, it tricks your brain into thinking it's alcohol. So you it relaxes you and you're able to. So I learned those little tricks that helped. So I'm two years into not drinking and I'm still anxious in situations, Dane. And I'm like, man, when is this ever going to go away? But it was still, it was still working. And I was still, it took more time than what I realized, but it was compounding. And then all of a sudden I get in a situation that say three years in and I'm like, dude, I'm not anxious at all. Like, whereas I thought that it was not making a difference and I thought I wasn't improving and I wasn't seeing any improvement for a time, all of a sudden it like clicked and all of the stuff that I thought wasn't making a difference was making a difference yeah. and I was on a whole new level. Same thing that came with my mental cognition. I'm thinking, all right, I'm good. I'm figuring some stuff out. I'm thinking things better, but I, it doesn't feel amazing. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, I don't know what just happened. But man, mentally, I can process things so much better than I did just yet. And I don't know what. So even though people think that they're where they're going, it keeps getting better. They, But I will say the success seeking part of it, continuously challenging yourself and your mind to grow is important because if you don't do that, it doesn't have to get better. But you got to consistently push yourself because... Alcohol doesn't allow your brain to continue to grow at the, at the capacity that it can. So you need to continuously push yourself if you're not going to drink to grow, because if you do, you can see a much better return on your investment than if you weren't putting that work in. Man, uh, Ken, I'm so glad that we had this conversation because I needed to hear, especially this last part that you just shared there about the incremental, because it, you're right, like you can only have exponential growth 
you know, for so long. And then it, mm-hmm. and then it has to like, you know, you can only, yeah, it just, just the math of it, even <laughs> like, like you can have 10% growth month over month, but after a while, like that's it, it's just going to feel, yeah, it, it, I, I just needed to hear that because dude, but it gets better Dane. That's what I'm saying, dude, I didn't realize you were only 10 months in. So I saw that you, I think you stopped drinking in March yeah. Then creating this podcast shortly after that, which is amazing to me. I think you did it 30 days after you stopped drinking, which is like awesome. But what you did with this podcast is great because this podcast helped you. It was your kind of success seeking goal, like yeah. the thing. And for you, D, like with you being 10 months in, man, you're just at the cusp, homie. Like I'm telling you, keep pushing, keep pushing okay. yourself. And you like you just it. So. I tell anyone, I use this analogy, alcohol is a governor, like a car governor. Like in your car, when someone puts a governor, like I think UPS trucks have them because they don't want them driving too fast. That's what alcohol does. It only allows you to go so fast, right? You you might be pushing that engine so hard, but the engine has that governor on it and you're just pushing that engine, but it can't go fast. When you remove alcohol from your system, man, you can, you'll be amazed at how high and fast you can go. Now, the reality is, the speed won't be as quick. You might not be there as quick as you want to, but if you keep pushing, man, dude, you can do some amazing things, man. Amazing things without alcohol holding you back. Well, and I, I hadn't thought about either. I mean, this sounds, this sounds silly for me to say this, but like, I hadn't thought about the, the alcohol being the one thing, because since I left active duty several years ago, I, it's actually been seven years since I left active duty. It's been five years since I left the national guard and was done with the military for good. It's like, the the alcohol was the one constant there that if I would have just removed that from the situation, maybe things would have gotten better <laughs> instead yeah. of like, maybe that was the one thing that was holding me back from actually finding the right thing. It was the thing I was using to cope. It's the thing I thought I needed just to survive, but you know, maybe it was the one thing that if I removed from the bottom of that triangle, I could get started on the other things there. So, you I'm know, this has you, been man. a really helpful conversation for me. And I know this is going to bless a lot of people too. Awesome, Cam Middleton, thank you so much for joining us today on um, I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. We are honored. And you have referred a friend to. Uh, yeah, Meg is awesome. So we're going to have Meg on the show uh, sometime next month. Excited about that, too. And yeah. I'm reading her book, um, Intoxicating Lies, right now. So we'll give a shout out to her, uh, a pre shout out. And we also want folks to you know, know about your book, Bamboozled, which will be coming out. Um, in digital form next month, January of 2023, and then print later on in the year. Um, you yep. can check out, how can people get a hold of you, by the way, Ken? So I say it's so to sign up for the books pre copyright, go to my website, thebamboozlebook.com. So T H E bamboozlebook.com. Go to that website, you'll see my information there. Then you can go sign up to be able to get all the updates on it. So when it's officially, re- officially released, Send it out to everybody. Get on the email list. You'll know. You can buy it, support it. Um, that'll be the first way. The other one is anif.com, A-I-N-Y-F.com. Alcohol is not your friend. It's a medium publication. Go to that publication. Sign up for that. That's where it's me and about 200 other writers that are really leaning into the alcohol conscious movement and trying to give people the tips they can use to quit drinking for good and up-leveling their life. So, those two places are probably the best way to, to get in contact and know what we got going on. Great stuff. And then your Instagram is at Ken oh, M. Middleton, right? Yeah, Ken. Yep. Ken, my middle name is McKenzie. So Ken M. Middleton.com. Okay. Cool. Uh, 
Thanks again to Ken for joining us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you here on the next episode of uh, I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye. And until then, Al and Spruce, Ken and I all send you our best sober vibes and we say goodbye, alcohol. Mwah. Mwah. Hello, Bye, life. Yeah. <laughs> Much yes. love to you all and peace. <laughs>